So here we are, back milling the air again. Milling the air again. How are you? I'm very good, Aideen. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing really well. Um, I've had a very nice weekend. I went off with my boyfriend and a climbing instructor climbing in the Peak District yesterday. Brilliant. I had about seven hours out there. So I'm very tired, but it was it was great. It was such a good day. Learned loads and loads and loads. Oh, that's so, very, that's yeah. That, that's very exciting. It's, well, yeah. actually, it, it, it's interesting because it just fits into something um, I was going to want to talk about, which is about place and how going to different places, um, what the impact it has on you. Um, because right. I went to a place I cannot believe I hadn't been before because it's less than an hour's drive away. Um, and it was just what was so strange about it. Uh, I, I, I just drove up the drive it's a, it's a 16th 17th century house wow uh and it's a, it's it's owned by a sort of trust because a, a welsh poet lived there um in the 18th century i think anyway um it's it's literally the most uncommercialized place in the world and it's also the most extraordinary location and i spent almost all the day there at the house and then I thought, God, I better take a photograph. I'm poor at photography, so I, I think I better take a photograph. And I walked 15 yards from the house and for the first time looked to my left and I suddenly could see Harlech Castle incredibly dramatically wow. against the skyline. So it was it had reached incredible place status before I realised that it could whop me with yet another. I mean, you know, almost as if uh it was designed to be instagrammable yeah um, and uh i was just sort of um i was just musing really about how how a place can sort of knock you over almost feel love at first sight for a place really it can and, and we should get into that but before before we kind of launch off into the podcast I just want to talk a bit about last week and about some yeah. feedback that we got so we had I think last time I looked 27 listens excellent so thanks it was 25 more than I thought we'd get to be quite honest <laughs> so thank you for yeah. everyone who did listen um we got some feedback which I think is valid which is that we didn't talk very much about the origins of our friendship and how far back that goes and the kind of nature of it. And I think that that would be good to get into just to give people some context maybe on. And yes, and funnily enough, I had this in mind and then I suddenly rolled off into a whole spiel about La Sanes, which, uh, uh, but anyway. But um, no, and we should do that because I want to hear about it. And yeah, I want to talk about that, yeah. Park, park that. Well, we essentially met through a mutual friend, didn't we? We did. Um, more than that more than that it was my my ex-husband yeah um who's now a, a mutual friend of both of us again yeah. so that's now true yes. <laughs> that's now true um and we went for dinner in in a town in wales that i'm not going to try and say out of respect because yeah. i will butcher it so i might let you yes yeah. thank you and that sounds gorgeous when you say it but i tried it a couple of times actually before the podcast because i had ambitions of trying and then i thought no this is just um cultural butchery if i try and do that <laughs> so i can't do it so yeah, and we had this dinner in in this really nice restaurant, but we hadn't booked, so we had to sit out kind of by a drain outside. Yes. <laughs> it's really yes. weird table, and and had you know amazing chats all night, and then 
few months later you came to one of our parties and um, the party was great fun but then after the party everyone went to bed I think it was about 3 a.m and we then sat up for another two with bottle yes. of red wine yes. and, and basically did our first podcast where we discussed everything from the origin of man to the relevance of the Virgin Mary in today's society probably not very coherently and I can't remember what we decided about the Virgin Mary but we were aligned for sure um, with the help of a fair bit of Rioja so that that's that really. Yeah do, do you know one of the peculiar things I, um, I think about that um, I rarely have these days a good drinking session Partly because I um, I just go to sleep. Yeah. And I was conscious that I had gone to the point where normally I would curl up like a hedgehog. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, when I reach that stage, kind friends just throw a blanket over me. Yes. Or, or, or put some incident tape around or some such Right, thing. right. And... and Police we aware. Were, we were at the incident of incident tape and blanket stage and we kind of burnt right through it. We did. And um it's funny because that drain evening, I remember um thinking, uh, this is quite strange because I've literally only just met this person. And yeah. it doesn't feel like I've only just met this person at all. And yeah. I know people say that a lot. People say it a lot, but I have not personally experienced it often, if at all. Yeah, yeah. No, no it was the same for me, really, because I, as I said last week, you know, I have um, still a tendency towards quite a high level of privacy, and I'm fairly arm's length with new people. Yeah, we quite a hard, you know, feedback from friends is, God, you were difficult <laughs> to <laughs> break down and get to know. Um, but I, I never felt that with you at all. It was, yeah, I, I liked you immediately, but more than that, I trusted you immediately. Oh, that's that's a that's a very yeah. nice thing to say. Um, yeah. I also am conscious uh, of, you know, in terms of my relationships with people, um, I have got an almost terrifyingly low threshold of boredom, mm. and I'm I think I've been brought up rigorously to be very polite, and so I can spin out my lack of interest in somebody in a in a way that hope. I hope too it's not too deceptive, but basically I can pretend to like somebody and you know that business about you, you fake it until you make it. And yeah. And I have sometimes, especially with people who have not been the most forthcoming, I've sometimes done that. And that has worked out that actually I do get to know the person and they are great. But with you, I, I actually didn't need to do my my um hello what an interesting extruded tube factory um <laughs> kind of um sort of sub royal family charm yes uh, which which i was brought up very much to do and and it, it's a very useful social skill it is but at times it has it has kind of got me into situations where i'm having conversations with people um which are not really based on my being terribly interested in them yeah. And um, my mother used to always say, uh, if you go out to dinner, it's not the menu, it's the menu you sit next to. And I'm, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm particularly bad with people who are enthusiastic about something I don't care about. But what I'm mm. saying is um, I do have a low boredom threshold and, and I, I was literally um, riveted by uh, everything you said and I have been ever since. 
Oh, there we go. Look at us. Look <laughs> and, at us. And, and it's a, a, I, I mentioned the low boredom threshold because um, um, I don't want you to think that I'm wandering around like a character from a 1980s children's no. program, just, no. just loving the world. Because, uh, yes, I do, but I am also conscious that, um, you know, uh, we have only got so many hours in the day and you may as well spend them with people that you want to spend Completely, with. yeah. Life's too short to do things you don't want to do. Yeah. Um, in uh, most well, cases, obviously, some things just have to be done. But. Yeah, and 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 the you know politeness and kindness are important, obviously. But 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 it's so delightful. It was so delightful to meet somebody who I felt immediately. I can't wait to hear Aidy's take on this. Yes, yeah, and I'm saying you constantly say things to me that make me think. Yeah, and surprise me, and you have a a depth of emotional intelligence that I really respect, and I've learned a lot from and taken a lot from. Just in oh, the in the thoroughness of your thought, and yeah, there's almost there's a, a completionism about your philosophy, where you always come around everything and back to the beginning. Well, I, I mean, I, and I, I think I do, that's important. I do suffer from the fact that I will analyze everything to death, mm. and um, at times that can be um, well. Actually, actually, really interesting thing about this. For, for my rationalizations to work, I have to have uh, an active and um, equal pushback from someone I'm talking to. Because if yep. not, what I spiral into is, <laughs> uh, is a form of paralysis. Yeah. And actually, it was a characteristic uh, when I was married that um, it could take us five years to decide to do anything. Right. Because we both accidentally fed into each other's um uh weaknesses if you like in terms of coming to an actual decision yeah and 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 and, and we would say well yes but. um but and uh <laughs> yeah. partly i think slightly dancing around each other possibly i don't know but i i i can remember reaching a stage when i thought i think we may never have another car I think we may just be walking now for the next 25 years because the process of deciding which car to buy, uh, you know, has taken yeah. literally the lifetime of three of the children. Yeah. In, yeah. in that time, <laughs> one thing we had decided on, obviously, but, you know, three children have been born in the time where we haven't decided which car to which buy. Which car to buy. Right. Yeah, exactly. Some, some decisions are easier to make than others, I guess, aren't they? So that's it. That's it. That's the history of me and Muv. We met, we talked, and then we carried on. Yeah, we carried, <laughs> that's all we, you need to we, know. We carried on talking. And we haven't and, shut and, up since. And But but this is my point, is, is that, um, uh, you know, the idea about looking at something from all different angles, it has to come to an end. Or it has to be shaped into something that is useful. And that's where, um, you know, pushback and discussion is so important. Milling the air. Milling the air. It's a process, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's not a solo process. No, it can't be, can it? Because I think if it's a solo process, what you then get is an equivalent of the social media echo chamber. Yeah. Where the algorithm picks out things that it knows that you like. And so it's quite yeah. easy for people to end up in a vacuum of just having their already preformed opinions echoed back at them and, and yeah. being in groups or threads or, or whatever it is where people already agree. Yes. And therefore you don't get 
growth of thought. Now, as I said last time, you could have your beliefs challenged yeah. and it could be thought provoking and you can still come back to deciding yeah. that you think what you think. Yeah. But what you've then done is you've stress tested your belief. Yes. And you've gone, does this with the scientific method, does my opinion on that stand up to scrutiny? Yeah. Or do I need to change it or just add to it? Yeah. Yeah. Because you might say, yeah, you know, I actually that's still, but I also now understand that there's this nuance. I understand that from this different perspective, it's not the same and that therefore people have that different view. And that's why. Yeah. And that's how we get to, I think, acceptance of people's different views without bigotry or hatred or or, or suspicion or whatever it yeah. is that you want to have, you know, just accepting the world that they think like that because they're where they are. And I think like this because I'm where I am. Yes. Um, and that actually that that doesn't leave us with a jedis and the empire situation no. is that actually everyone can still be the good guy that you're just coming from at it from it with a different lens yeah i i totally agree and i think there's something also that happens to me in in discussion is that um especially if it's a discussion where, there, where there's a good bit of pushback and a, and a good bit of of, of of throwing ideas about yeah i come to very often i come to a situation where i have decided I am going to stick to what I thought in first, but actually I've realised that the rationale behind that position has completely changed. Completely, so, yeah. Get so, um, I mean, I'm, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I am uh, conscious that um, uh, thinking about religion, for example, um, I listened to a Reese lecture a couple of years ago, um, and there was a terribly brainy bloke whose name escapes me obviously they are all brainy if they do that doing the research reference brainy bloke 2021 <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> exactly and he was talking he was talking about uh, the social efficacy of religion really he wasn't talking about uh, he was an atheist but he was talking about a social efficacy of religion and he was talking about the difference between orthodoxy being everyone having to think in one way and orthopraxy which is people doing things together. Okay. And I realised that lots of what I had categorised in my own head as orthodoxy was actually orthopraxis. Yes. And um, it, was, it was really interesting. Um, and I've now, now sort of taken that um, attitude, which in a way is a kind of, uh, it's a kind of, rationale for pragmatism so i i say this now very often about political views um there's a and there's b which one of these will put more school dinners on the table right or which one of these will actually mean that the largest number of people are lifted out of poverty by what, the greatest benefit yeah yeah and and I know that I know the trouble with that is that can then become very operational. But but it was interesting because it made me think and and makes me continue to think about um, the balance between first principles. You know, I'm doing this because I've thought it all through and I know it's absolutely right, or um, I'm doing this because it actually works. Yeah, and I think it practically. So so you mentioned everything becoming a bit operational, but I think you have to consider it in that context because. Between orthodoxy and orthopraxy, I think there's actually only one that's actionable. Yeah. Because orthodoxy is only 
really achievable in a very superficial way because it depends on people telling you that they all think yeah. the same yes absolutely. or that they're subscribing absolutely. to this you know so and actually that's just not going to be true I mean it's mm. not orthodoxy um per se but let's take it back it's the the year of our lord 1504 yeah. and everyone is swearing up and down that they believe in god because yeah. you have to because and, and, and yeah, yeah. you'll get burnt to death if you don't now I can yeah. promise you that not everyone that said that did yeah absolutely <laughs> okay yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of people thought it was nonsense even then it wasn't safe to say so so yeah, but I think orthopraxy you can put into practice and it can be beneficial. I think orthodoxy at best is a Did I lose you for a second there, Aiden? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Where did you get to? Um orthopraxy is at best. Orthodoxy. orthodoxy. Is at best. Yeah, so orthopraxy can be enacted. For yeah. benefit, like you say, how how can we lift the most people out of poverty by 2050? And yeah. orthodoxy is at best a, a medium of control. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, you know, if we all think this way, well, what if you don't? What are the yes. nuances on that? What's the implications if somebody doesn't? Is that necessarily a problem? Does the whole system crumble? Well, technically, yeah. Yeah. Because if those are the rules of that game that we yeah. all are thinking and our ideology is exactly the same, then everything crumbles if someone doesn't go along with that or admits to it. But with all the practice, that's not the case, is it? Because it's that basically the concept of the greater good again. Yeah, but and also, also sort of a sort of subset of that was was, was this. Um, I've got a friend who actually was a hermit for a while. Um, Brilliant. I'm going to talk um, a bit about that later. And he was a hermit um, in a hermitage, which luckily was through the wall from the tumble a tumble dryer, so it was always quite cozy. Um, okay. So so um, very very bright and interesting man um and when I think of myself as as, as analyzing what I think I realize that um I've only got so much headspace to analyze what I think yeah I'm not in the luxury of sitting in a room through the wall from a tumble dryer so it's always nice and cozy and and I'm not saying by the way it's at all easy to be a hermit and 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 certainly I know you know it living a lonely and isolated life mm -hmm. has its own has its own stuff but when i look at what he um you know he he was blogging a lot at the time and what the the, the real insights into the depth of human experience that came from his period of, of hermit yeah yeah i think to myself do you know what i've got to remember to put the bins out and so i'm actually never going to get anywhere near here and so um, part of that was thinking, well, uh, does this mean I'm sort of uh, condemning myself permanently to be kind of ankle deep in the water of life because I can't really get to the deep stuff because I haven't got time? Or does this mean that uh, blending sort of moments of deep thought and understanding with actually just trying to do things in an okay way and getting on with stuff is is the way forward and that's sort of the the, the thing that i i came to so that one that one because yeah. and i'll say this now so i think it's admirable in some ways to, to dedicate a life or part of a life to that kind of introspection and reflection yeah i think that a long period of time doing that and a sole dedication to doing that could fall under a kind of extremism yes i don't mean in a harmful way no no but that is the thin end of the wedge 
of mm. human experience mm. now if we all did that not only would no one put the bins out no one would come and get them either yeah so yeah. most of the population don't have that luxury yeah and I think that there is something to the phrase everything in moderation yes. so you do have to analyze and we do have to self-actualize and be introspective but there also does need to be a limit because you have to go out and experience the world to have something to analyze anyway yes and I think that analyzing every thought process and interaction can also be harmful you mentioned a paralysis paralysis by analysis is a thing I've seen yeah. it in sports I've seen it in people psychologically and I, that's not always useful either because some of your reactions might be or not yours one's reactions might seem facile on the surface but they're probably justified like if someone cuts you up and, and you swear at them because yeah. that pissed you off I think that's probably fine yes. and you don't need to then go back and drag yourself over hot coals and say no. how must I be more patient you were just a human that was annoyed at the time nothing yeah. really bad came from it and that's that's fine too yeah. you know if there's been really relatively low impact then well okay mm. you know um so we do have to aspire to grow yeah but I don't think we have to ignore our own basic nature and needs either no, I th I think I think that's I think that's true, and I think um, to some extent um, there can there can be um, if you start thinking um, as you said paralysis by analysis. I love that. Um, uh, but if you start thinking about first principles about everything, you um, so so for example, um, we learn ways to do things. And we learn, I suppose you'd call them sort of tricks or life hacks and things that things that that make things possible. Yeah. And um, we don't have to keep on analysing whether we're doing things in the right way. Yeah. Um, and, and the very most the most trivial version of this in my world is the fact that, you know, my mother was 100 percent right about the fact that bicarbonate of soda gets a smell of sick out of everything. Yeah. So she might also be uh, right about purgatory, right? So I'm just, uh, you know, so there's so there's a lot of stuff I can say. I'm not going to do the deep thinking on this one. I'm, uh, you know, she was tried and tested on lots of this stuff, yeah. and she was proved strong enough. Um, also, my mother, which is, I know we've said about the anecdotes, but um, you know, this is one. That's fine. She did. She did you know share a house with with Wittgenstein and and so she's done the deep thinking you know yeah. and I'm thinking fine that's that's good I'm good. so and and that's an example of how much we do take on trust and it's a good thing that we do but yeah. there are times when uh and this is my 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 point really about going through a really good discussion um can sometimes leave you coming to the same conclusion for different reasons yeah definitely definitely uh, yeah and, and I totally agree so on that vein then yeah what's your thing that you've learned this week are we going to talk about places and the impact is that yeah well that I, yeah thing? I mean it, it was just well two things really which are part of the same thing and I, I you may you may throw this back and say um that I'm not allowed, and and I would be I would be uh, willing to be not Doubt allowed. It. Both friendship and places have both.
growth in my life, um, I've usually kind of gradually got used to things and become accustomed to it. And, uh, you know, a bit like that, there's a song from My Fair Lady, you know, become accustomed to a face. And that's the kind of way I normally operate. But occasionally I am knocked over by people and places. Yeah. And, and, I, and I rush straight to an attachment. Um, I mean, what happened was after sort of three quarters of a day at this place, I'm saying, put me on the management committee. I'll yeah. raise some money. And I'm thinking, I'm now, I'm now assuming that I have an emotional attachment to a place I've literally only visited once. Yeah. yeah? And um, the same has happened about four or five times. You are an obvious example um, with people where I have met them. And in fact, interestingly enough, it isn't even verbal. I just look at somebody yeah, and I say, this person and I will be close. Yeah. Yeah. This place and I yeah. will have an impact. And I suppose the question I'm asking is, um, I've been to amazing places um, and I've met amazing people who have not had this sort of impact on me. Yeah. And I don't think I'm overly susceptible. So so why is it that certain places and certain people um that, that there's a quote from a uh a, a country western song uh um Nancy Griffiths she says you stood me still. Oh, that's lovely. And Certain places and, and, and people have stood me still, and I want to know why. That's my yeah. So it's good, isn't it? Uh, I have experienced this also, and I have actually experienced this with places that aren't even real. <laughs> so yes. I remember as an eleven-year-old having read The Hobbit, yeah, and going through an intense grieving process for the fact that I could never go to Middle Earth, specifically Rivendell. <laughs> specifically yes. Rivendell yes and, and I went through literally the stages of mourning I mean real deep sadness anger that it just wasn't possible for me to go there because it had left such a mark and I think is it something to do with places and or people may possess or meet with certain qualities that we are drawn to or need in our lives at that time, which allow us to align ourselves with them maybe more deeply than we would at another time. You know, if, I, if I'd if i encountered that book as a 15-year-old, would I yeah. have had the same reaction? See, I think that's very, I think that's very interesting. Um, and I don't, but I don't know. I think that's, I think that's interesting. I'm struggling to decide whether it is there is a Rivendell shaped hole in you, yeah, you know, at that time which which Rivendell filled, or is it that there is some quality in Rivendell that would always exist? And yes. um, so the question I'd ask then is, I know you can't imagine what it would be like if if you'd met if you'd encountered Rivendell first when you were fifteen, but but say when you were 15, given that you had already, um, you know, gone to the last homely house, um, 
did it still mean a lot to you? Still does. I mean, I mean I've got yeah. you know, Tolkien yeah. tattoos. Yeah. So yeah, it, it still means a tremendous amount. I haven't, I, I've now accepted the fact that I can't go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I yeah, I think I think there are qualities about that kind of a place and I, I think it is. I, I think it's about a, a place or a person might fill a need. And maybe we're not always conscious about what that need is. So so the house you're at, for example, I mean, how did you come to be there? Well, I came to be there because um, I was talking to a friend of mine who fancied arranging a, um, well, she called it a retreat. And she said, you know, why don't you go there? And um, they'll, it'll, be a, it'll be a day you can put some ideas together and, and, mm. and um She's she's um, working on a, a novel and um, she's doing lots of fascinating research about druids and things like this. Oh, very and, cool! Yeah, which is which is which is amazing. Um, she, uh, she just published her second novel, um, which is a, a kind of, if it is anything, it's a kind of um, Welsh language uh, X Files. Lovely. Which is so it's full like of that. kind of deep history and and and, and resonances and it's, it's just brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So she said, Do "You fancy going there for the day?" And because I'd never been there and it isn't far, I thought I will. Um, it turned out to be completely different. Instead of instead of uh, I bought books with me to read and I bought notebooks and things to fill. But the place and the people who visited it me meant that I literally. Uh, wrote five words right yeah so my plan was completely blown off course um and partly was blown off course because I was coping with getting used to what I felt about the place sure you know I, I wasn't able to shut down this amazingly warm feeling that I had and concentrate and you time. shouldn't have that's no, right absolutely I think, you know. um but um I'm I'm sort of thinking about 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 the nature. I may be I may be I could be completely wrong about this, but doesn't matter. But the nature of something really remarkable, yeah. and I'm so I'm wondering as well as it fit, it fills a hole in your heart or fills a a need in you that there are some people who or some places who sort of. Um, have qualities that set them apart, and I don't. I don't mean. I don't mean there's some sort of super taste of people, you know. No, yeah, yeah. Um, you know that 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 you know we all have a special handshake, and 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 and, and, and we we and us alone understand the world. We're not yeah. some sort of, you know. Uh, I mean, we should have a secret handshake. Now that you've raised the point, I think that's a must for the next time we meet. Yeah. But yeah, it's point taken. There was there was a secret handshake in the Puffin Club. If I remember back in the 1970s, which What's is that? yeah, which 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 led to a lot of misunderstanding, really, rather oh, than sure. anything good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I suppose what I'm saying is, that, is it is there a, a quality of exceptionalness, almost rarity, and when you think about writing, let's say, the description of Rivendell would be mm. so vivid. And so, such a piece of imagination. I mean, I've I've had lo lots of rows with people who, who, who can't bear any of it, and 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 that's fair enough. But um, what I'm asking really is something about 
whether there is some exceptional quality to certain people and places and 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 certain ideas and descriptions there is I, there there definitely is and i and i think that those can be different at different points in time for us yeah. potentially i i think there still is something about it is is it's what what you need in the moment or maybe just what somewhere or someone represents mm. we can also attach a lot of meaning to that so for me as a young person i think Rivendell was a a place of exceptional beauty but also there was this concept of elves and otherworldliness and I had such a vivid imagination and I had such a need for the other mm. and to expand thought outwards I mean even down to dreams I had these vivid electric dreams that I well I, I still oh, do really? dream quite vividly but not in the same way yeah absolutely mm. um and I was already writing by that point as well because I yeah I think I started really really young with stories and things and the the version of the cop not version the co- the copy of the Hobbit that I had was also illustrated mm. and there are these gorgeous pictures of Rivendell and it just looked like a place where nothing bad could ever happen mm. to you mm. with this you know majestic backdrop and it's in this valley but it also had a real mournful quality mm. to it because of course the story of Imladris is linked to the story of Lord Elrond who has is one of the, actually the most tragic characters yeah. in the whole Lord of the Rings story arc when you look at what happened to him you know having to accept that his brother decided to be mortal what happened to his wife and losing his daughter and he's got those twin sons and it's like oh my god now you're just going to live with the worry is one of them going to choose to die <laughs> and it's just a whole a whole um anxiety picnic but also just the idea that this 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 place has been established to be a place of beauty and peace but it's also fading because the time of the elves is coming to an end we're winding down on that whole thing and it's in the autumn of its existence so I think it's this idea of a kind of paradise but a paradise that's also in a way quite frail because once the last hmm. people that love it have gone yeah it will just be this silent relic of memory. So, so are we talking about something that is not impossible to characterise because you've just beautifully characterised uh, Rivendell, um, but something which, when you characterise it, you can't think of anything else that is like it in yes. your own experience. And um, I... Yeah, and 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 I I remember appreciating that, encountering that with with some individual people, to the extent, and I know this is this is on the verge of being, you know, regarded as absolutely loony. I mean, I, <laughs> but but I can think of people who I just glanced at, and I thought straight away, this is someone who will have some significance for me. I, I've had that yeah. experience as well. I've had that experience and, as well. And I and one of the th- one of the, my uh, the things that sort of fall out of that is is about perhaps as a society we tend to put primacy on the idea of romantic uh, relationships yes. rather than friends necessarily. And um, interestingly, I've mentioned to several of the people, and as I say, there are a very small number uh, of of them uh, for whom this has been an experience that I've had. I've mentioned to them that this had happened after I got to know them quite well, because it, because it's quite odd. Well, yeah, you don't go in with that. I just knew we'd be friends. Yes, it's not a phys- also it's not a physical thing. No, sense, it's not a sexual thing. Um, and and in all cases, 
they have said they felt the same at that same moment. Right. And we have a thing that we call love at first sight. Yeah. And whether or not it exists, that's, you know, la de la. Um, and, and I suppose I'm talking about, uh, it, it's slightly different with a place, of course, or a fictional place, because obviously it doesn't feel the same way about you, but maybe it does in some sense. But we don't have a, a cultural easy way of describing the way you the way you just go, oh, and now we're friends. Right. And, and with the right people, that can just happen so fast, can't it? Yeah. And, and it has happened to me as well. I've got a few examples in my life of people. It's just immediate. That's it. Um, and and I, I wonder if there's, I mean, could you even take that down into biochemistry? Is there something about our chemical makeup that makes people compatible? Well, now. is it facial structure? Is it body language mirroring? Is it some of all of that? Because I've also had the opposite where I've looked mm. at someone and disliked them immediately. Yes. And they probably don't deserve it. And actually, I have a few ex a few examples where, where they're, they're a fine person. They're not evil, yes. but I just don't <laughs> like them and I haven't immediately. And it's unfair. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, I've got a theory. Bear, bear with me here. For, for, okay. for some years, due to the fact that I totally failed to manage childcare uh, and also because Gwen didn't want to be child cared right she used to come down to the theater with me uh when i was doing a production and she was extremely well behaved yeah so she just sat and watched the rehearsals and uh then um just behaved perfectly all the way through yeah. so but during this time so this is the time between she was the time she could speak and the time she started school and afterwards a bit in the holidays uh, if she wasn't in school she would come to the theatre with me and she would encounter people that she didn't know and she would politely wait until the little section had finished or whatever and she would march up to the person they would always come in through double doors at the back of the theatre and she'd march up the steps and she'd put her little hand out and she would say either or good morning I'm Gwynthian, and I'm Mavani's daughter, right. right? Now, in all the people that she met, and it wasn't far off 50 people in that time, she never got the language wrong. Wow, okay. So, so thinking about biochemical markers or something. Something, yeah. She could How look did at, she know? She could look at someone, and this might be someone I didn't know. So it wasn't the case that I was reading them and reacting in a different way to somebody. Or she heard it's, you speak or something. Yeah. No, it was, it was, these are people that I had no connection with whatsoever. And, and, and that made me wonder about these biochemical markers or these sort of instincts that we have. It is, because so the, I think the temptation there is to call it intuition or something. And, yeah. I, and I have a problem with that because it then makes it slightly about the air quote supernatural. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually think it's more hyper natural because I think our instincts are keener, sharper, deeper than yeah. maybe we have an appreciation for. Yes. Case in point. So and I'm going anecdotal now and yeah, I'm go going on. off topic, but I'm bringing it back, yeah. I promise. So um, my dog, who's now 12, his yeah. mother is a young dog. My mum and I used to look after her and walk her sometimes for the owner who was a bit older. 
and my mum had taken her for a walk one day and the dog had run across train tracks and had been electrocuted oh so my mum at this time didn't know if the dog was alive or dead she couldn't see her so she phoned me very upset and I went out to spot to then start to have a look I was calling the dog and calling the dog and I it's not that I heard her I don't I didn't hear her in a way that I was conscious of registering the noise but I suddenly I had a sense of which way I needed to go right and then eventually I did get in range of consciously hearing her yeah and I could hear her bark and I took her to the vets and she actually she lived to the age of 15 she got put down a couple of weeks ago so everything was fine and dandy with her but the point is I'm bringing it back to the biochemical markers I think I could hear the dog just on a level that I wasn't used to acknowledging yes yes and that's what I mean by that kind of hyper nature of that sense of, of that instinct being so sharp that we almost don't know it's there and you could then attribute that to some kind of we were oh I just had a feeling it's not that you just have a feeling it's, you are getting information from the environment yes and processing it in a way that seems quite arcane or difficult to pin down but you are still doing that yes. so was there something about these people I said I'll come back that Gwen was able to perceive well yes exactly this because what we do is, as we get older, when we're, when we're very small children, we are completely instinctive. Sure. And Have to be, res- right? And we respond to small cues, yeah? And as adults, we are sort of polite. And, More or less. Yeah, and we're <laughs> sort of polite. Well, we behave, we behave we we tend to spend a lot of time conforming to social norms because it's just easier, yeah? And years and years ago, the Sunday Times uh, published a piece of uh, research. It was in the Sunday Times magazine. Um, and what they'd done is they'd taken a thousand student photographs from the four nations of Britain and they'd made a composite face. Wow. And so they ended up with eight faces of these. Uh, so there were 500 Welsh girls, 500 Welsh boys, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they ended up with eight composite faces. And the physical differences between those people were really remarkable. Sure. Right. And I'm sort of wondering if someone who isn't, attuned to uh, not listening to their own instinct might just say oh yeah look yeah looks looks like a welsh speaker yeah right with or which crossed my mind smells like a welsh speaker smells like a breathes welsh like yeah. a welsh speaker don't know what don't yeah. know what but yeah. but i wonder how many things there are that we react to getting back to the place again I think I could go, I don't know whether you play this game. I, I play it with, with my friends quite a lot. The zombie apocalypse game, when you say, um, who would I choose with me? If I had 24 hours to prepare, you would, of course, be dragged from wherever you are to join my zombie apocalypse, apocalypse team. And um, I could imagine really easily going to this place, to Las Anis, right? And I think I could live there with yeah. my with my zombie apocalypse team. And I think I could live there for, I think we could start a new civilization. There. You'd be fine. Right. Yeah. 
we, you know, we, 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 we would live there in, uh, in, in peace, and it looks also fairly defensible in a kind of way. Um, and is uh, it high up? Is it on a hill, or is it? No, what's what, the setting it, like? It, um, it was an island uh, oh, right. of the sea. Uh, and the sea has been, um, they've built a sort of a breakwater to... to okay. Re- but but it's still an island above a marsh. Perfect. So the zombies will never get through the marsh. We'll be fine. No. So I would I would get rid of that. Yeah. Uh, but but it made me feel about about the way in which you could you could sort of maybe what you're what you're saying about certain places is this is a place where I think I could put up with almost anything, or I, I could put a you know put my feet on the ground and and stand firm in some way. And that that's a point. So I was just coming to actually you mentioned put your feet on the ground and stand firm. So I think that there is. Right, I'm getting a sense of a few points about this, right? So there could be an aspect of ideologically, what does that place represent to a person? Yeah. There could be an aspect of aesthetically, yeah. how does that place go into my eyeballs and make me feel yeah. about it? Yeah. Because no one's ever thought like that about the gates of Mordor, for example, right? Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, maybe they have. I don't know. I mean, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not um, place shaming. <laughs> anyone <laughs> does. But or You're seriously, see a therapist. Yeah, yeah we... I'm allowed to Mordor. Yeah, go and get help if you like that. But and then could there be something about the chemical makeup of the place? So the plants that are there, the type of soil, yeah. how you as a as a biochemical organism are going to react yeah. and, and if you're going to feel good yes, and healthy in a place that is going to deliver something back to you. For example, you, you've named a key, few key things there. It's nice to be there. It had a, a good warm feeling about it. But you mentioned it was easily defensible and you could live at peace. So does that speak to something in you about a need for security and a lack of disruption? It does. I mean, I also watched an awful lot of uh, apocalyptic telly at one point in my teens. Yeah. And I was obsessed with the idea. I lived in a valley uh, which had one entrance and you know very high hills is just one way in right and i used to like used to like the idea that we had um we were snowed in for for sort of weeks at a time sometimes and yeah um, we kind of got along okay although there were things that weren't particularly pleasant uh, particularly living on my mother's muesli um for quite a lot of the time yeah that could be a bummer potentially dreadful, <laughs> dreadful muesli um but um I suppose I I kind of have that apocalyptic vision somewhere at the back of my mind. I used to carry a little old tobacco tin that contained um, matches, for example, dipped in wax. So right. that even if they got completely... They'd be wet, waterproof. My, my, my match, and, and, and I had, a, you know, various... Yeah, I had this emergency kit, for example. And so this probably tells me that a place that appeals to me rather than maybe looking at the Sistine Chapel, which would be very unmanageable for me. And, yeah. you know, with some Kendall mint cake and an old tobacco tin and two matches, I couldn't I couldn't rebuild civilization. Not from the Sistine from Chapel. No, very so nice to look at. Oh, maybe the scenery there's something. Would be good. Yeah, maybe there's so something. It, it could be that it, I think that kind of fulfills, yeah, fulfills a need or, or, or your requirements for what a good place is. But worryingly, worryingly, or maybe not worryingly, but realistically, I I think of people in the same light. Oh, I, I think, yeah. Uh, those people who I've had that immediate, oh, yeah, that'll do. Um, 
they're none of them what I would call passengers. They're people who I would I would have in my in my um, you know apocalyptic totally. team. Totally. Um, and and maybe that's so. So maybe what we find is that there's some deep thing that we our our existential question about life is answered by people who appeal to you on a certain level. Oh, I think so because there is there is like I don't want to say a transactional nature to friendship because I don't believe that it should always be completely tit for tat sometimes we're in need and sometimes other people are yeah but I think that we are drawn to people who can deliver something that is of value to us I mean it might not even be in like a hunter-gatherer protected thing it might be something very funny yeah makes you feel better but I I, I'm I'm in the same category as you there where I think the people that I am drawn to associate with tend to be capable go-getters no dithering Mm. know what they want and are up to something whatever that might be yeah um but I wouldn't I wouldn't have any truck for example by someone who I don't know I'm gonna say something very unkind now and I don't mean it like this obviously if this is you and you're agoraphobic or something then I I feel for you and I hope that you have ways to manage that but the kind of person that is going to become paralyzed in a crowded space is not going to appeal to me as someone that I would take on my zombie apocalypse journey for example yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think, by the way, it's okay to say that there are perfectly nice people who you still would not leave need in the case of a zombie apocalypse. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, that's not saying well, you can and, just and, go and, off and I, not exist, you know. It's, and yeah. I'm, um, I had a really good debate the other day with some friends who, um, uh, where their children were slightly concerned um, about specific skills that I could bring to the pot. And I maintained that I reckon I could deliver a baby and I can also spin, spin wool from scratch and make garments and things. And so, well, that's important. I, and you know how to get the smell of sick out of things. So, yeah, exactly. So I ended up, so I ended up, um, they, they were saying, do you know what? Yeah, we, 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 on a, we've done a skills based analysis and you've gone from zero to hero. You're in There you go, exactly. See? And actually, you know. they, they decided, interestingly, that the thought of having, um, a definitely not fertile woman who knew a lot of stuff might be a handy role in their post-zombie apocalypse. So, so we've come full circle on the witch trials then, haven't we? We have. We have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're in. You're back I'm in. A, yeah. Yeah. Crone seeks zombie apocalypse crowd. That's it. Hiring now. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I mean, you'd have the forethought to have waterproof matches. I wouldn't. My millennial, my millennial ass would never think of that. <laughs> I'd bring a phone charger, but waterproof matches bore off. I wouldn't. I would just be like, oh well, I guess we're cold then. I yes. <laughs> well, I is... can cook and I'm funny and I'm pretty damn brave, so that would that would help. Also, you're very good with animals. Um, which is yeah. a help. Which is yeah, a yeah, help. yeah. That but would be I, fine. I I could break I in was, the cart horse. If I we had was to go back to that. Very, um, very. Uh, interested in survivalist skills as a as a, as a sort of teenager and I was but I was actually quite poor at things and I did the, the most um, idiotic thing in the sense that um, a very dry summer 76 I was looking after some children uh, who I was sort of babysitting and I said well why don't we go and camp in the wild and we were uh, by a little brook which was no longer a brook because it was just a series of pools and there was a fairly large right. fish in, in this pool and I said aha because I had tickled a trout or two in my time I, have I said <laughs> I said I will 
I'll have this trout and we will cook it for supper. And the children were like, you are so great. And so I was really committed to this now. Yes. After three quarters of an hour of failing to tickle this trout, I, I in a very unsporting way, I, I used several mugs and I bailed the pool dry and I picked the fish off the bottom, which is the least sporting way to catch a fish. It's still hunter-gathering. You yeah. gathered him rather than hunted him, but you got him, right? Yeah, I gathered him. Exactly. <laughs> I, gathered, I gathered rather than hunted. And he was very delicious. Sure. Yeah, good. After all that effort, good. Yeah. And, and you paid him the time and respect. So I think you earned the right to eat him. Yeah. I mean, if a fish had been able to speak to his neighbours, he'd have said, this one is an absolute doozy. Yeah, this that... is going to cause me no bother whatsoever. Yeah, but, I'm not yeah. ticklish. But, um, but that didn't matter. But 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 uh, uh, you know you'd definitely be in on the um, you'd be able to take wild animals you'd be like a hawk, like a, like a kind of yeah I'd be fine um, a, a weasel whisperer or something you'd be able to take creatures from the wild and teach them to do things we could teach them to do things and I think you know I I don't know what um, zombie self defense skills are like but I've done enough boxing now I could lay out a zombie It'd oh be yeah okay. yeah yes. that'd be fine yeah no I, yeah I, I think well hopefully it doesn't occur. <laughs> Although with the state of things in recent years, you know, if it came up on the news that the zombies were happening, I don't think I'd be the remotest bit surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the next yeah. thing, isn't it? You know, we've done the pandemic. We've done, you know, we, we're doing the fanning around with environmental control. If we look at the figures we've got in power, I, I think the next logical step is for the dead to rise. <laughs> We'll just see what they can do with it, you know? Give them a so shot. So listen, I have now bored on for quite considerable time about my thing about about the sudden attachment to people and places. Yes. So what's your thing for today? I'm going to make you choose. Right. Because I've got two. So yeah. I'd started out intent on actually talking about the coronation. Right. Which I'm steadfastly referring to as the kingification. And I beseech everyone to do the same because it's much more fun. Yeah. And my... My thing that I'd learned was how much it cost or is mm. reported to have cost because my yeah. source for this is also the Daily Express. So right. let's be careful about yeah. how much stock. But it had conjured thoughts in me about the morality of a great deal of cost in the face of a poverty crisis. Yeah. Because we do also have, what is it, 14.4 million people living in poverty. Mm. And as I sort of said last week, I, I'm not one to necessarily go with the idea that everyone should just be bailed out not have to work for things but I'm definitely in the line that a nation should be set up to adequately take care of the people in the worst position yeah yeah and that's sort of the definition of civilization yes is how are we able to look after people when they are not in good shape for whatever reason so there's that um but then something happened to me and it it's very personal because mm. I'm also wary of that because one of the reasons that I wanted to get into this and do this with you as I said is to become better informed about things because yeah. I have a tendency towards hermitry definitely yeah. and yeah. Covid put paid to me living in the real world to be quite honest mm. because everything shut down and now I live on this gorgeous farm at the a high point in the area that I live in uh, I've got the dog I've got the horse I've got a gorgeous bloke and I've got everything on Netflix so what do I want reality for? don't need it and and the result of that is that I've I've completely stepped off in some way so you know people talking about politicians or something like oh my god I haven't even heard of them which means really that I'm not really fit to contribute (laughs) 
on that so I wanted to become more involved in the world and know what's going on and that's where the thing about the kingification came in because that's sort of hot topic of the moment and I've got complicated thoughts about it but then something happened related to my work situation from a few years ago mm. so I've had very few bad managers in my working life I've been incredibly fortunate some amazing bosses some real role models if you ever listen Christy George Casey McDonald wow amazing people but I had the misfortune of working at a company where I had the boss from Devil Wears Prada but without the scant charm that she was awarded right so very few people I think in work and in life are actively malicious yeah but I encountered someone and I don't know if she is meaning to be actively malicious, but she does a lot of harm. Yeah. And causes people a great deal of pain mm. and is a negative actor. Yeah. In that sphere, in that capacity in the world. And and I had a really bad time there now. That's also a stages of life thing, because mm. if I encountered an individual like that now at the age of 33 with the confidence and the resources that I now mm. have and someone spoke to me in that manner, I'd be like, here's my pass. Here's my laptop. Mm. Kindly jog on. Thank you. Goodbye. And I wouldn't yeah. put up with it. But I was in my 20s then. Everything was different. And, and I yeah. did put up with it. And I was wanting to do a good job. I, and I, I ended up kind of having a bit of a mental breakdown mm. over because of her caused by Mm. that and then I ended up leaving and I'm now in my current company so the upshot is that that company is a customer of where I work now right right yeah (laughs) and I've been assigned to do some work for them right which was going to put me back in contact with her so the potential other thing to discuss is how I found that I had arrived at forgiveness and the process of forgiveness and what that can look like in different scenarios so with all that knowledge that you now have would you like me to talk about forgiveness or the kingification well I think that we should wait a week and talk about the kingification next okay the reason being I think that there are lots of parts of it that we might even do a kingification special yeah I think so because there's a bunch there with one with one topic because yes. there are so many different aspects to it. Um, but I feel that most of us have undigested lumps of our thoughts about this. And although we are here to mill it, yeah. I, I sort of feel it is large enough to stick in the mechanism at the moment, rather than be milled into the useful bits that we're looking for. I agree. And I think we should mill that into its own coronation cake. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So forgiveness, forgiveness, um, work bastards. Work bastards. Yeah, work bastards. So, yeah, I mean, this is this is a a negative individual. Okay, in the world that's, you know, there's there's a long trail of bodies now. um, People that have left, people that are leaving, people that are not in good shape. So it wasn't personal to me. That's Mm. the thing to notice I had a a long-standing tenure there and I survived this person for a lot longer than a lot of other people I'm very resilient I know that about myself um but in the process I opened myself to copying a load of shit basically so that's not the important bit because I did leave and my life did change yeah and and this person was no longer part of the sphere continue to negatively impact a couple of my friends they've all now got new jobs they're out it's fine um but I was 
bitter, deeply bitter for a long time about the experience. I think largely because of the lack of action on my part to do anything about it. Yes. Because as I say, I could have gone, bleep off, don't talk to me like that. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, you know, and the behaviour was so bad. I mean, the way that this person speaks to people, you know, and the the kind of old style corporate results at any cost. Yes. You know, and driving people and staying on people, like, like 22 phone calls in an hour, that kind mm. you know, and and real throwing people under the bus and, and you know, just vile, manipulative, horrible behavior, treating you like a, a number and not like a human being. You mm. know, um, this didn't happen to me, but someone needed to change their hours of work by half an hour for a mm. week and it was declined because it, they wanted them to renegotiate their entire contract so so this wasn't someone who behaved yeah. in the world like a human they behave yeah. very much like a praying mantis slash robot yeah and for a while a, a good long time I, I carried such a load of anger and then it transpired that I mean this is 18 months later that I'm coming back yeah. to this person and I was assigned to this piece of work I had an immediate panic attack mm. I felt like I was back in that office and back in that situation mm. immediately. I mean, I had I, I accepted the work because I want to move up the levels and be someone who's seen as worthy of leadership. And I think you can't just, you know, you can't just have a flounce every time something doesn't suit you. You no. have to get on and push through. Things. And I was very keen for this individual to not be the boogeyman. Yes. Because it, it can't does. beat you. Yeah. It can't. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm one to not be beaten. I mean, prime example of that yesterday, the final climb of the day. Horrible experience. Everything was super down. I was harnessed up. I was safe and mm. it was not technically difficult, but there were things that were I was just tired and yeah. I fell off once, fell off the wall completely. I cried once. I hated every second of it. I want to tell everyone to go away and die and leave me alone. But also, please get me down. But I didn't stop. Yeah. I still got to the top, hated every second. Yeah. It took me a long time, but I got there. And, and and that's kind of my mentality with things generally. So, and I had a whole keep safe plan. And my partner was going to come over on the day of this meeting because I work remotely and, and kind of be there to support because I was expecting to have a really bad time. Yeah. Got it all organized and she declines. Right. Doesn't come. Right. So I have the meeting and that's fine. And then afterwards, she sends me an email. I've gone from they to she now, so I've given that. It is yeah. a woman. Um, it was lovely. Really nice yeah. email. And I wasn't angry anymore. No. Nope. All of a sudden, I found that I didn't mind. Mm. All of a sudden, I was able to appreciate her as a broken person. She's probably mm. just also in need of a hug. Who probably isn't aware of the damage that gets done and, and might be horrified to hear of how people feel maybe she wouldn't I don't know but I I all of a sudden in this blink moment found that I was relieved of all that negative emotion and I was able to send a nice reply back and I have not thought about her since until we've had this conversation here there you go Discuss. well, well to start with you deserve congratulations for getting there, but for keeping your nerve. But what strikes me, I'm surprised by what you said the outcome was, yeah. but I have a rationalisation for it. I surprised me. I surprised me greatly because I was 
fully prepared to have that face on my dartboard for the rest of my life yes. <laughs> i really but, was you know but but i've come across a lot of people in a work in work situations who are performative yep and if you are um someone who has decided that their role is girl boss stroke bitch right they act in that way right and they i sometimes think it's not necessarily lack of empathy that makes them so bloody awful it's the fact that they assume that you too are playing a, 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 a right a so they come in and they say i'm an, i'm a cave troll and you go ah but i'm aragorn right yeah and if you actually say, if they say, I'm a cave troll, and you go, oh, I'm Hedy, right? Well, this is all a bit hideous, yeah? That I see, I've I've encountered a lot. I would call it and the authenticity gap. Yeah, between... I think you're completely right, because the, she has a, a real way of um, separating herself from work. And I think yeah. that she just assumes everyone else does that as well. And I'm not that person. No. I care about things that work the same way I care about them outside yeah and I treat people at work the same way I treat someone outside yeah which she actually acknowledged as a strength it was the bizarrest thing um where she say I've noticed that you build fantastic relationships with people yeah and then went on to kick me for being far too nice to a supplier yeah and it's almost like there's this you can't be authentically yourself yeah and get work done effectively and and my daily experience with people has just proved that not to be true no. i get the best out of people when i treat them with empathy kindness and and when i make the working environment a nice one which is what yeah. i try to do with teams across the board because everyone's just actually living their lives and if you are nice to them i tend to find i get good stuff back so but she seems to have a view that if you're nice to someone they'll then screw you over and maybe <laughs> maybe that is something to do with the tendency for us to judge other people by our own standards? I don't know. Uh, I Maybe think, that's just what she would do. Yeah, I think I think that I would detect in someone who does that, and I've certainly done that in similar situations, I've detected high levels of fear. Uh, yeah, now I think that's right. And the way they protect themselves from the fear is usually by aggression. And I would actually have a very, um, perhaps a strange parallel. I think it's why people who are aspirant lower middle class, to use a kind of sociological thing, are the worst snobs. Right. Because they're the people who feel that they're clinging to this job by their fingertips. Right. And two things happen. First of all, they may be wise enough to understand the strength of your position so the strength of the relationships that you build but they don't look upon that as being a corporate asset they look upon that as being a personal threat I think you're yeah. right I think you're right and I think I used to freak her out with that kind of thing um and how I could get good results and still be nice and and, and I think the relationship building was a problem what what kind of frustrates me about this individual is that she's very clever and 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 has all the attributes to be really great yeah but just doesn't use them in that way 
and maybe that is just a culture thing you know where people come from differently but I, I think there was a, also a lack of imagination potentially present and the need to squash things that if, if she wouldn't do it like that that's not how it was going to get done never mind the result never mind yeah. if the result was good so it was almost like a, a process over product mentality this, this sounds like this sounds like um definitely a combination of perhaps some scarring from early yeah. encounters of their own yeah and this idea that i am going to build up this carapace of what the successful manager is yeah by the way my experience is that the health service is absolutely riven with people in this situation right put by their senior managers in the wrong situation or or whatever and they find themselves, you know, just struggling and lash out sometimes because of that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I think that someone in this situation who has a certain, I would say, a scar or a level of deep lack of confidence that maybe comes from childhood, I don't know. But the other thing that they do is they have an instinct um, for dispelling or loathing um out of the box thinking yes and those people are seen of as being seen as being a real threat yeah and you you can see the level you could i, I mean i could i could i could think of a dozen cases that i could i could um list where the person who's actually making the biggest difference and who's covering the most ground and who's doing the job best is the one that becomes the target. That's what happened. Yeah. That is what happened. Um, with, without going into the because those details kind of don't matter. No. But I ended up scapegoated for something. Yeah. In a very unpleasant, nasty, and what felt at the time personal way. Yeah. And I think when, you know, you talk about this now and I look back, that that was a symptom of people who were frightened and didn't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm um or maybe weren't able to frame things differently or didn't want to have tough conversations with the actual individuals that cause the problem yes and i think there's another thing that happens is um that you can have you can have a way in which somebody without in any way being boastful and annoying accidentally throws a bad light on some of their particularly their immediate superiors um, and if you are somebody who uh, gets their own job done well, um, your competence can be uh, something which, especially if you, if, especially if you take a an approach to your job which encompasses looking at a, a, looking at a project from all angles. It does, if, yeah. If, yeah. If you take that approach, you can be extremely threatening. Yes. And. When I was a kid, my father made me read a, a story, a short story, called The First Man. And it's basically about a troop of Neanderthals traveling across a plane. And um, one of them realizes that, for example, if the wind is blowing the forest fire in one direction, if you run in the other direction, you don't get burned. Right. And so basically, you go through a series of adventures. It's quite an exciting story. He told me to read it when I was about eight. And... Um, so they, the tribe end up on a hill and uh, they've managed to save themselves from the flood. 
and they're standing on the top of this hill and 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 they say to him how did you know this place would be safe and he said well it's logical because the water's reaching up a certain height and so you go to the highest possible place and they said it must be witchcraft and right. they picked up stones and beat him to death brilliant yeah and and the final line of the thing is and on that day died the first man right yeah. So these were no longer hominids. This was somebody who could make a rational thing. Yes. And I said to my father, everybody else's uh, dad lets them read the famous five. Yeah. Uh, and he said, he said, you should never forget this, particularly in a work context. Yeah. Bloody hell. He, yeah, said, okay. he said, if you look upon a problem in a different way, and you come up with a new solution, they will pick up rocks. Yes. Yeah, so I so I, I was beaten to death. Um yeah. in that context. And I and I think there's there's something to that, but I also think there's something ab about how personal qualities are used and exploited exploited in the workplace because they knew I could take a kicking mm. and that I was tough. Mm. And I think that that's where then the energy got directed, because right. AD can take it, right? AD does. Yeah. yeah. And I did get them out of a hole too. You know, things got fixed, it and it was okay. Yeah. Um, but at the cost of me. And by the end of that time, I was ready to walk away from the entire career. In fact, I did. I handed yeah. my notice. I was going to just go and teach riding full time, and then yeah. I sort of got scouted out, and that was that. But um, yeah, yeah. So it was interesting to me that I could go through all that, feel how I felt for a number of years well not a number of years 1.8 1.5 you know 18 months and then come back to via this process of reconfronting that individual yeah in a different context arrive at emotional neutrality which has lasted yeah you know i i haven't yeah. reversed it. it wasn't like just like no. oh something nice and now i feel fuzzy no it was like something negative was just removed as, as part of that yeah. process so that must be there must be some kind of cognitive benefit and then I wondered about the amount of time in between so if I had gone through that process but two months after I'd left would it have been the same mm. or is there something to letting things sit and processing them for a degree of time and then re-exposing yourself to that wow. negativity is there something about the closure process there what do they call that commission in, in South Africa? It's called Truth and Reconciliation. Right. And the idea is that the idea is, and I think it's a strong idea, that you can't have reconciliation without truth. Yep. So it's no good just getting together, saying, you know, apartheid was a bummer. What a super time to yes. be super multicultural South Africa. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, and so I would argue that you would have been ready for that forgiveness when you had settled in your mind to a place of neutrality mm. whereby, and interestingly, you'd prepared to defend yourself. You'd yeah, prepared yeah. to defend yourself and you'd said, from here, I'm now strong enough to take a blow from this direction. And that means that you had assessed the impact on likely impact on yourself and you'd taken steps to neutralize it so you had basically put yourself in a very powerful situation yeah so you'd said 
I'm standing here so firmly that I can roll with a blow if it comes. Yeah. And when it didn't come, that allowed you to go to the point where you go, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. If you hadn't gone through the processes to get you to that period of strength, which is your truth part of the truth and reconciliation, I don't think you could have got to the reconciliation. I'd agree with that. So maybe whatever the time that it took for it to go through your system. Mm. I mean, I always think there are, there are emotional experiences which are a bit like a boa constrictor eating a pig. <laughs> Where you're just basically, you're the snake, you've eaten the pig, and you're just lying there for four days while you try and digest it. Yep. Yep. And trying to do anything strenuous, boa constrictor-wise, during those days when your entire body is stretched, yeah. I have this, and I think we boa constrictor and pig a lot with pain as, as people. We take it in, and it takes a long while for it to be Yeah, it does. And when you find yourself lithely slithering up a tree and hanging off a branch, it's because that pig lump of pain has now gone through the system. You've processed it. Yeah, and that's something that it just has to do, isn't it? I think um, I'm quite into these days time boxing emotions yeah. in a way, particularly the negative ones. Yes. Of saying, you know, if, if something bad happens, right, I've got a week. Mm. to wallow on this and in that yeah. time i'm going to really do it yeah and feel it as much as i can possibly feel it and exhaust everything i've got indulging yeah. in this but then once that week's up it's got to be done that's interesting that's interesting i mean i think that i have a bit of a statute of limitations in the sense that i move i move things down a sort of scale right um, and I was thinking about this, about about a member of my family that I, I feel I need to reach out to um, because I think I've got to a point where I can. Um, and um, this doesn't mean to say that I do not remain conscious of what I think was an incredibly bad thing done to me. Yeah. However, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I'm still I'm still bearing some pain for this. But this was, this really was a bow constrictor pig lump of pain. Right. Yeah. And what I've done is I've not slithered in that part of the forest for quite some time. But I think I probably can now. Yeah. Uh, because you've digested that pig and it doesn't continue to cause you stomachache. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, 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 I'm, if I'm brutally frank about it, I've paid off the debts that that person's unfairness caused. Right. And I mean, I don't mean that emotionally. Physically. I mean, I, I mean, you know, the email I last got from HSBC that tells right. me, and, and 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 so that makes me feel fine. I've now got to a, you know, I've got to a, a, a place where I can do that, and it's dealt with, yeah, yeah. But I also think it's really important. Two things: first of all, the way in which work can be just fiction anyway, so people are are playing different roles oh and... it mostly is it's all made up unless you're physically doing a thing like you know someone comes in with a broken leg and you're the doctor and you can fix it anything really corporate or tech it's it's invented yeah 
all yeah. of these but i mean we can take it deeper than that um the etiquettes the um the do's and don'ts of business the, the roles that people put themselves yeah. in all of it invented yeah all of it able to be con- deconstructed at any point yeah and i think that's where people's fear factor creeps in yes yes i think i think that's definitely i think that's definitely true and that's why sometimes the person who sees the problems in the round because they are truth seekers in a way mm. can be very threatening yeah because everyone else is playing a bullshit game and you know, some of the bullshit's necessary, some of it isn't. Yeah. Um, we can also uh, attribute that to the kingification when we do our special. Yes, yes, yes. But um, I do think that you've shown yourself, uh, you've shown a, a level of awareness of, of what this incident is, which is actually very heartening. But it is also worth thinking, was it just the preparation was it the analysis or was it also the fact that I'm in a better place myself? That. I, I, and I'm removed Yeah, from it. And I, and I think because the meeting was declined, there was an aspect of that that gave me some power too. Yeah. Where it was yes. like, so are you not available or, or do you realise that really you're not fit to come and talk to me? Yeah. Because yes. I think you know what you did. Yes. yes. Um, and I don't know what that is and I don't need to. I don't nope. need to. Um, that's fine. It, it's just that, yeah, that all of that came together to help me, yeah, arrive at a spot where I, I honestly, I really don't mind. It's okay. It's okay. The other thing which I think this is about, it it operates for um, a lot of difficult situations, and um, I've got a very wise friend who, who who said to me once, you know, deal with it when you need to. Yeah, and. Um, if you don't need to do it, park it and park it, think about it, but don't think about it. But, you know, get on with the stuff that is higher on your level of immediacy. Yeah. And of course, what happens then is the passage of time. Time is a great healer in, in that corny way, because if something is not your most immediate priority because you don't actually need to deal with it at this moment anymore because life has moved on. It diminishes. It kind of drifts off into the distance, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think that's related to what you were saying earlier about um, actually debate and having views challenged and working out if you come at something from a different context or, you know, because with distance, you're able to come at things from a different context. For example, when I just left that company and it's all still very present that this person, she was the devil. Yeah. Because I was still there immediately wounded. Yeah. And yeah, you know, dragging myself around bleeding profusely. But with distance, I've stopped bleeding profusely. Yes. And I've had other experiences which have restored my faith in myself. Good at my job yeah. now. I deliver a lot. Yeah. Um, and interacted with a bunch of other people that have given me the confidence actually on the whole people aren't like that. And that's an outlier. Yeah. And I'm unlikely to be caused that kind of pain. You know, I, I've arrived in a work situation where I can end phone calls with internal people and customers alike with love you bye yeah and everyone loves that by the way and yes. I recommend that you give someone a love you bye <laughs> next week because the smiles before you hang up amazing um and and so I think I've just slowly been removed from that toxicity yeah and of course then the result is recovery yes 
Well, you see, I, I find a lot of the process of understanding about life is almost like you've got a telescope or a pair of binoculars and you're constantly flipping them. Yeah. So that you're seeing things that are unrealistically close and you're also seeing things that are unrealistically different, distant. Yeah. And somewhere between it, you get your perspective. But but there's also a thing, um, and I've I've got a friend who's an extremely high achiever in her field, like a sort right. of nationally recognised high achiever. Oh, wow, okay, field, yeah. And massively badly managed, right? Oh. And... She's in a, she's in the situation where where um, the probably the best route for her is you know to sing that Paul Simon song, "Slip Out the Back, Jack." Oh yeah, you plan, Stan, because mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter how much she achieves, and this I think is a crucial thing about about management is lots of very good people think that they can win this game by piling up awards and recognition and achievement and measurable success and actually that isn't necessarily the case that's not it, how it works it may be that the person who is in the system in some way and you are incompatible the opposite of what i was saying about the, the, the just falling for somebody there are people that are very very difficult for you as an individual to get on with yeah and it you do your damnedest you say they go, what did you do over on your last shift? And you go, well, I did win an Oscar and I've got some promising results on my cancer curing tests. Yeah. And I also have made this Battenberg for you. And they will turn around and say, I still hate you. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, because it's that, it's that thing of control the controllables, right? So yes. whatever you do, you could have made the Battenberg, uh, solved third world debt, written them a sonnet and done their ironing. Yeah. But if they just don't like you. Yeah. Or if none of that meets their immediate need, because it's like, well, I'm on a diet and actually that that was a wrinkle free shirt. So what are you on about? Yeah. But you also, can't actually you can only do what you can do. And I think behaving in the in the way that you consider to be morally right and putting your best self out into the universe. That's what yeah. you can do. But none of us can control how that is received. But the problem is also with that, if there is and I'm not. I'm not trying to say there are people that you effectively write off. And I and I do know that in the work context, you do need to work hard trying to make those relationships work. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying anything other than that. Because you can't However, do anything by yourself either. No one is an island. However, you do get to a point where the law of diminishing returns kicks in. And when you've made the Vattenberg and done the ironing and seen 30% more clients than anyone has ever in the history of the firm. Right. Yeah, and they still turn around and hate you. Yeah. Um, the more, if you then do 50% more, so 50% more clients, they hate you even more because you're making their performance seem bad. And what can happen, I've seen this happen a lot, is the best performing people can get into a ratchet of giving themselves unachievable KPIs to try and win over an ogre, yeah? Yeah. And they burn out and become exhausted. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And... Well, I think they're burnt out, exhausted people, then it, it goes a couple of ways, right? They leave. Yeah. Or they morph into that toxic management class. E exactly, exactly, exactly. And they and certainly... And are, like, absorbed. Yeah. They certainly say, 
they certainly t uh, you can always tell when someone's on the road to that when they start saying what so and so got to prove right they they they're looking at somebody else from a cynical perspective yeah point of view yeah what's that person got to prove yeah and that uh that's a high, that's a, to me, that's a sign. And if it's someone that I'm in a team with, I would say, are you okay? Yeah. For it all calcifies into a kind of rock formation. Yes. Rock formation of a hideous manager that looks like a demon trapped by lava. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I think that's part of the, um, the quest to not become someone who requires forgiving. Yes. Yes. Mm. because I've got there and that's great and that was very interesting for me as a moment but if there's something that I could achieve in my life with the people that I work with mm. I would like it to be that no one has had to go on a voyage of forgiveness yes to get over me yeah that's a very that that's a fine aspiration that's a fine aspiration yeah I think uh, it's also interesting. I wonder. I wonder if there is a gendered aspect to this, because I sometimes think several of the people I've encountered who do this sort of the worst kind of way of treating people who they are supposed to be managing. I wonder if they're pretending to be what they think men are like. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, maybe. And so. Um, Having absorbed, I mean, this is part of the Mary Harrington Feminism Against Progress idea. Oh, yeah, I'm going to start reading that. Um, and one of the things she talks about is, is about uh, the feminism of care having disappeared. And right. so so the idea is this that there's this idea of the lady boss. And yes. the lady boss has to be harder than, than anybody. Yes. Harder than all the men. And the men themselves are characterised as being sort of quasi-psychopathic in, yeah. in their way of, 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 of reacting to people and yeah I mean it, uh, what, oh, what was the film American Psycho yes I mean that yeah. was supposed to be a, a pastiche and a bit of a take but those people exist I'm not saying that they're all the execs are chopping no. people up with chainsaws so, but that mentality that kind of ethos is absolutely taken verbatim from real life yeah. And I think I think that that's a mistake that people make is still striving for that as as the only way to be effective and to get ahead. Yeah. Um, whereas, I mean, you can see why Jesus got killed so promptly, right? Because he sort of turned up and went, why don't we all just be nice to each other? And everyone looks around, well, you can shove that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that went down badly. <laughs> well, there's, there's, but there is an instance, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm really throwing this out without any idea of whether I believe this or not but um, uh, Guy and you as a senior TV executive was saying I keep on recruiting brilliant women and by the time they're 32 even though I keep promoting them they're out of the organisation oh. and you know so I then asked well what has happened to them and he said well they've either gone to work for independence or they're doing other things with their lives and I had this conversation several times. And one day his wife turned around and said, maybe because they don't want to grow up like you. Oh. Which is hard. Ouch, mama. 
And <laughs> but but I then was thinking I was thinking about the um, the way in which maybe uh, people look at some aspects of male posturing, and they think very much you know can't beat them join them. Yeah. So, but but whether or not they have an adequate, a, a clear view of what an effective man in the workplace is like, or whether yeah. they've just created this kind of fantasy figure of a rough, aggressive, you know, American psycho person, yeah. whether that person exists or whether that's just another part of the whole fiction of it. I, I think that comes back again to the point about people judging other people by their own standards of behaviour. Yeah. So... Because we have this, I work from home and, and the work from home debate rages on, mm. right? And I had a lot. So in that particular organisation, it was really frowned on to work from home. You had to have like special dispensation. They really didn't mm. want people to do it. They wanted to see the whites of your eyes, as it were, mm. with a view that um, if you were working remotely, then you weren't being effective. And, yeah. and, you know, I heard a couple of them say like, well, people just don't work properly from home. They're not available. And I was like, no, that's what you do. Yeah, you slack off yes. from home. Yes, and if you slack off from home, you're just a slacker. A slacker yes. is a slacker, whether they're in office, whether they're at home, yes. whatever yes. it is. Yes. You know, the the people that are in the office slacking are just walking around making people a cup of tea. They're yeah. you know looking busy doing nothing, and that's a that people waste a lot of time in offices. So, um, yeah, I just I don't really buy into that 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 people work less from home. I think if you're a grafter, you are. Yeah, I I, I, line. I totally agree. I also think there are certain people, and I'm one of them, for whom um, I try to work relatively intensely. And what I have found in, I have hardly ever worked in offices in, in my life, and uh, there's a good reason for that. Uh, and when I, I, when I do it, tend to be very small offices. Um, one of the reasons is I throw myself intensely into everything. So yeah. I'll be at the water cooler going, succession is not the best drama that's on telly at the moment. And <laughs> no, no, you can't bring lemon cake in because this is chocolate cake week. Yeah. And so so all the minutiae minutia and the rubbish of office life, I throw myself into as, as harshly or as firmly as I would try to write the best document I've ever written in my life. Right. As a result... I think I'd be an absolute full-time nightmare. So, 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 um, it's it's far better that everyone has a little cordon sanitaire and they can have a little yeah. bit of me, and then I get on with my other stuff. Well, that's it, and I think people should oh, again work in the environment that they're the most comfortable in. I mean, for me, that is from home because I don't like offices. But by all means, if you if you feel most comfortable working in an office, you should do that. I'm not decrying offices as a no, no. No, a, a place of ultimate evil because that's just not true. But I, I think that in working in corporate life, we have much more room to accommodate people than maybe we think. I I agree, and I think also uh, that the reality is, if you find yourself, it's almost become it almost becomes a sort of ecological niche. If you find yeah. yourself in the in the niche that does best for you. I mean, if my boa constrictor, God forbid, was full of pig, and during the time it was full of pig, it was transported to um, a, a street in an inner city, it, you know, it probably wouldn't survive. No, it's, it's not going to do right. too well, is it? But you know. even though in its right environment, it can do incredibly well. And I, I think, I think looking on a sort of more ego ecosystem type of 
well, maybe this is it. Maybe it's an ecosystem, not an ego system. That's Ooh, what we're looking at. Um, I like that. So, so I was talking to somebody uh, who's doing some working from home and she was going, but don't you food for all day? And I go, no. And, but she said, well, what about doing, I mean, it's helpful for me. I loathe housework of every kind. I'd rather live in squalor and get my work done. But, yeah. but, but she was saying, but, you know, putting on a wash, it's do that at lunchtime. Yeah. And, and for her, the thought that you could start at a certain time, work through all day, finish yeah. when the work is finished. She just yeah. found that. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, people, you know, people work differently with self-discipline exactly. as well. Don't they? I think if you're, if you're motivated to do what you do. Yeah. Then, then you will get on and do it. Of course, not everyone is in that position. We've no. all had to have a job at some point that we hated. Yeah, had a couple. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for example, when I was working for a debt collector, I wasn't yeah. going to self-motivate to get into the dialer and take phone calls about no. people's balances. I'd have rather yeah. lie down on the M20, but I did, and it led to better things. So, yeah. yeah but I think if once once people are in the right groove for them, or not even the right one, a good groove for them, because I yes. think we could all have several different grooves, and they might all be yes. great. Um, then then they will flourish and do well. And we've been going for an hour and a half. Well. We're going to have to stop then. We are. And, we, and next week, we're going to look at the kinging. Kingification next week. I Kingification. Think. I think yeah. that'll be very interesting. Yeah, I'll come with some points. And uh, that might be an even longer one because there's so much to that. There is so much. And I think, yeah. There's I, I so much to, to public morality, private morality, uh, the separation of someone's again public persona to who they are if you are born a public figure how much right do you have to who you are is that then again a moral problem I think it is and oh. that's why power should probably only ever be elective because you know you can't kingify with consent really it's well yeah but you, then then you see I end up having lots and lots and lots of rational objections and then I quite like shiny hats well, that's the thing. So I, I like a bit of pomp and circumstance. I don't like spending that much money when no. there are other things it could do. And I think maybe yeah. for for future, we almost need like a registry office of a coronation. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you see, like, can we just then... do, like, do the pared down version if that's just got to happen. And, and then we can also talk as well about uh, made up constructs because, you know, a private eye have summed it up and, and they had the, the cover of private eye right now is brilliant because it says man in hat sits on chair yes yes that's what happened yeah so the significance of things is what we attach to them yeah no absolutely com completely agree we're in danger of starting the kingification podcast but I've i also, know that was I've a taster also got, i've also got some trenchant things to say about the fact that the whole ceremony is based on prejudice against one religion completely. and therefore and therefore when it's described as being um a multi-faith um it's not event it's, it's a multi-faith yeah hello hello you know that's me in the corner that's me hanging on tyburn yeah right so so, so right. as rem did not sing that <laughs> yeah that, yeah no totally that's me totally in the and, and then but, yeah, but, I mean, but even more pressing, the justification of that kind of expense, I think, yeah. is, a, you know, so and the implication is there that there is the money there to solve the problems, but it's just we don't want to use it for that. Yeah, because we yeah. can find it when it's time to go on parade. Yes. But you can't find it for kids lunches. Yeah. 
Wow. And that is very dark. It it is dark. It is dark. And I mean, again, this is what's going to be such an interesting discussion because then one would say, what if it what if we didn't have the man in hat sits on chair? And it still wasn't spent on school lunches, it was spent on... Which it might not be, because we've got a, another kind of tyrant in charge with a rich wife who's going around hogging all the proceeds from sending out emergency text messages. Yeah. But that's probably episode four. Yes. Um, <laughs> and if, you know, Rishi, that's if you're it. listening, that was about you. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we mustn't do the podcast now, but that you can get a sense of what's going to be in there and, and the things that we're probably going to get into. Yeah. Um, it, it's difficult, isn't it, with the, the, the prince that was the king that is, yeah because he's also been at the forefront of charities that have done an enormous amount of good yes so where do you come where does the snake eat its tail and not the pig well i will i will uh, send you um a, a review of a book that i just reviewed um a, 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 about uh, prince charles and see what you think about it uh, think about the review um brilliant and we shall see we shall we shall we shall discuss all all things coronal <laughs> Yeah, let's let's because I'm fascinated. Even the, I'm going to have a look into even into the history and symbology of. I mean, and we can bring up some of the me. I mean, the memes yeah. have been immaculate. They have. <laughs> to say. They have. <laughs> some of the memes have just been great. But look, um, Marva loved it again. Brilliant. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, um, stay where you are, Ad. Um, don't go away. Just stay exactly where you are for another whole week. Just sit in that chair until next. Just here, time. right here, until next Bye. week. Okay.